Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast. Uh, Mike Carmen, uh, Purdue sports beat writer for the Lafayette Journal and Courier. And uh, welcome back. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've uh, put together one of these. Uh, all my fault. Uh, I, every time I would think, okay, I'm going to sit down and, and, and do a podcast, uh, something else happened in the Big Ten or there was a decision coming like in the next six hours. And like, do you want to do a podcast and make it irrelevant that quickly? So I just kind of been waiting and waiting and waiting until things kind of settled down. Now that we have a big 10 schedule, uh, things seem to be moving in that direction as far as actually playing the season. Now that we have a basketball starting date, uh, and again, things are moving uh, in, in a direction where, you know, we're probably going to have a season. I thought, okay, let's let's try to do a podcast. Uh, the date today's date is September twenty second. Uh, by the way, and just a few hours ago, Notre Dame's game at Wake Forest was postponed because of uh, too many positive COVID tests uh, around the Fighting Irish. So uh, we're seeing these every week. Uh, we're, these are happening more, uh, happening to a prominent program like Notre Dame. Um, so we'll see where this all ends up. We'll see if the Big Ten can even get to the starting line. They should be able to get there with their uh, rapid testing that they, they claim they're going to get. Uh, and if they if they do get that, that'll cut down on the contact tracing. You'll be able to test more frequently, test the day of the game, the day before the game, uh, however you want to do it, and have a better idea exactly kind of where things stand from a virus standpoint within your, uh, within your program. Uh, and the whole goal is to do those as frequently as possible, uh, therefore getting to a kickoff on a Saturday or Friday, depending on when you play, or maybe even a Monday, who knows, and, and be able to play the game. And we'll see if the Big Ten can start. We'll see if the Big Ten can finish its 2020 season, which is an eight-game season or nine-game season when you count championship or champions week, uh, December 18th or 19th, uh, depending Uh, where they'll play the championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium and then figure out a way to play two versus two from the division, three versus versus three, and so on and so forth. I I assume those games would be scattered uh, on Friday and Saturday just to kind of not have seven games on Saturday uh, and hopefully spread across the Big Ten footprint, Detroit, Minnesota, maybe St. Louis. You could probably host a couple games at Lucas Oil over over that weekend. Uh, if you're going to rent the building out, might as well play another game. If you're going to rent it out for Friday, you might as well play play some games there uh, to to get it going. I mean, in, in conceivable, you could Lucas Oil. In, in my opinion, now I don't work there. I don't know the the ins and outs of getting the facility ready for a game. How quickly that uh, would take. But there are multiple locker rooms there. Number one, uh, there's more than. F- uh, I think there's more than two, at least four, maybe more than that, where you could have a, you could have multiple teams there over a two-day period. But you could conceivably play um, a game at noon on Friday, uh, turn around, play a game Friday night at eight, maybe play another game at noon on Saturday, then you play the championship game at eight. Um, anyway, that's just one idea I had. But the Big Ten doesn't really listen to those outside their building. Uh, as we as we've uh, come to learn over the last uh, few months, uh, they they get stubborn, and it comes back and bites them, and it, it bit them this time. But at least they 
took another look at it and uh, are going to try to play football. Now, when you look at Purdue's schedule, it's revised, revised schedule. It's an eight-game season. Um, at one point, Purdue had Ohio State and Michigan on its schedule. It no longer has Ohio State and Michigan. Um, you, it has Rutgers uh, and Indiana from the east. Those are the two crossover games. The Indiana game, as you know, is a permanent crossover. And then they're playing their divisional opponents um, in the other six games. Uh, the only tweak initially, um, you know, asked Purdue AD, Mike Bobinski, the question as far as where would they get the eight-game season from. And he said uh, it was supposed to come from the pre-COVID nine-game schedule, which was the original nine-game schedule with all the non-conference games in it, but the original nine-game Big Ten schedule, um, which would have had uh, Purdue hosting Wisconsin and Purdue going to Nebraska, and they were supposed to open the season at Nebraska. That got changed, and then you had the 10-game revised schedule that had Purdue opening the season uh, at Michigan. But come to find out, that wasn't the case. Now, I don't think the opponents changed, at least in Purdue's standpoint, from Purdue's standpoint, the opponents didn't change. But the uh, home and away games did. Uh, it, it appears that the Big Ten decided to stay with the first revised schedule. Therefore, Purdue will go up to Madison for a second straight year and they'll host Nebraska for a second straight year. What does that mean for 2021? Uh, is Purdue going to have to go to Madison three straight years? Nebraska have to come to Purdue three straight years and some other games uh, in the conference that are like that. Do they tweak that, change that, or they just kind of keep it the same? You know, if they were going to, if they're just going to keep it the same, I don't know why they just didn't stick with the model of the pre the pre COVID schedule. That would have balanced things out and uh, not force the Big Ten to make changes in 2021 if it if it's going to make changes. But the story I read, it was out of the Omaha paper, that you know the Big Ten had this return to task force or return to competition task force committee uh, and had different subcommittees with it. One of them was a scheduling and TV committee. Uh, and, uh, Mike Pobinski was on, I believe, the TV committee. He might have been on the scheduling committee. He was on one of those, but uh, I come to read in the Omaha paper that the Nebraska athletic director, Bill Moose said that at the end, the big 10 staff is the ones that put together the schedule. I imagine that was the sequence of games and decided to go with the revised, uh, schedule, uh, instead of the pre-COVID schedule. And I don't know if that was a last-minute a last thing that happened or, or what, but it did throw a little bit of a wrench into things. Not much, just a little bit. Um, and I don't know if that was the Big Ten's way of sticking it to Nebraska. I, I don't know. I didn't do that much research on it to figure it out. But you know, I think over if those of, the, those of you that have followed the Big Ten for – for many, many years, and when they get, in, get into these situations where school speaks out or says something negative about the Big Ten, and um, they usually get, um, they usually get uh, 
slapped a little bit with a schedule that's not favorable. And if you look at Nebraska's football schedule to start this year, it's not favorable. It's just not. You're opening at Ohio State. Uh, that's not good. Uh, you do host Wisconsin. Uh, you get Northwestern at, uh, on the road. And then I believe uh, you got Penn State in there as well. So that's f- four games to start your season. Uh, not ideal uh, for a team, for a program that's trying to get back closer to the top. Uh, they could easily be 0-4. They could be 1-3. and um, I, I, Based on who they're playing at that point, it would be hard Hard for me to see Nebraska getting more than one win of those first four games. Um, so, if, you know, if that's what the Big Ten is going to do, then uh, the Big Ten is good about putting schools in its place. Um, but that's, you know, that's the price of doing business uh, in the Big Ten. From Purdue's standpoint, uh, you should know the schedule by now, but they're going to open up at home against Iowa. Uh, good Should be a good matchup uh, to start things. Uh, Jeff Brom is... Done well against Iowa during his time at Purdue. Um, you know, they've been close games. They've been competitive games. Um, so, you know, it's something that uh, you would look at both programs and, you know, consider them both on kind of similar uh, similar path. It, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be an important game uh, because it's, you know, obviously factor into tie-breaking situations as you get deeper. Um, and then Purdue would go to Illinois. Uh, now Illinois did beat Purdue last year in the rain uh, at Ross Aid Stadium, so you can't go over there assuming that Purdue would win that game, uh, and then they would go to uh, go to Wisconsin uh, after that. So you know Purdue Purdue needs to get off to a fast start. You know, in an eight game season, you really don't have a lot of margin for error uh, as far as trying to climb back into into things. And the 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 thing about Purdue under Jeff Brom is it started slowly and every year. As far as they haven't won an opener, now, granted, they lost to Louisville and Indianapolis, lost to Northwestern at Ross-Aid, um, and then lost uh, last year at Nevada, which a game they should have won, but they didn't. Uh, you know, they were 0-3 in 2018, but did rebound uh, by the midway point, including getting that win over Ohio State, uh, the magical win over Ohio State. But overall, you know, and Purdue's lost, you know, they lost to Louisville, but they, they bounced back. Uh, beat Ohio the next week in, in Brahms' first season and um, got things going a little bit uh, in October. Um, you know, But last year, I, I don't feel like they ever really recovered from the Nevada loss. Uh, and you had some injuries, obviously, that, that played a role in all that, and they finished 4-8. and eight. The point is you, you, you have to get off to a good start in this abbreviated season. Everybody does. But there's only going to be half your teams that get off to a good start because they're all playing each other. So, I mean, from Purdue's standpoint, the schedule does set up, in my in my opinion, you get through your first four games. You got Northwestern on the 14th of November. Um, now, you got a chance to get off to a good start, you know, assuming you're in good health, uh, you know, assuming you've made decisions at the quarterback position, assuming your defense is going to be better than it has been. Uh, the last couple years. And these are big assumptions. These are big questions that Purdue has to answer uh, as far as what kind of season it's going to have. But the schedule, at least the early part of the schedule, sets them up to to, to potentially get off to a good start where you're 3-1, you're and one, uh, maybe at the end of four games. 2-2 two and two would probably be okay, but anything less than 500, you're, you're climbing uphill and you're not really going to make a dent uh, in the season. 
in the second half because you got to go to Minnesota uh, uh, on the 21st. You got Rutgers at home on the 28th of November. And before you you kind of poo poo them. Rutgers, you got to remember back in 2017, now different coaching staff, different situation. Purdue went out to Rutgers, uh, played played okay, didn't play well enough to win because they they got beat. But defense defensively, they gave up two plays, two big plays that went for touchdowns. Otherwise, they 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 shut them down. And offensively, they just sputtered all day. They were choppy. They were inconsistent. Uh, they dropped passes. Uh, they had penalties. And that was the first time in Brahms' tenure at Purdue that we saw a, I guess you could say the word pissed on on a podcast. I hear it on the radio all the time, hear it on TV. But it was the first time Jeff Brahm was really pissed off. Uh, and that was, you know, into his, you know, that was not that far into his tenure. It was a game they um, should have, at least going into it, should have won. The way they played, they didn't earn the chance to win. They had a, I think they had a failed two-point conversion at the end. They they scored late, but you know that game, Brom kept changing quarterbacks. So you know some of that is on him. He was trying to find find a spark uh, that day, but could never really do it. And that's probably uh, during his career that would be one of those uh, wouldn't be the number one, wouldn't rank number one, but it would be up there as far as disappointing losses uh, in his Purdue tenure would be the one at Rutgers. Um, now, they, they still got to a bowl game. But my point is that just don't assume just because Rutgers has come into town that Purdue's going to win because we don't. You have no idea uh, the state of each team uh, at that point. But it's a game right now that you would look and say, okay, Purdue, Purdue will be favored in that game, number one. Uh, and should have a chance to win, assuming that it's still in good health and uh, things have been moving along. But that's over Thanksgiving weekend. What a way to spend Thanksgiving weekend with Rutgers coming to town. Then December 5th, they're home against Nebraska, which Purdue has played well against Nebraska since, uh, since I mean, really, ever since Nebraska came into the league, they have played well, except for the first game uh, at Ross Age Stadium when you know, Nebraska basically blew out Purdue. But all the other games have been competitive, and Purdue has won its share. Uh, Nebraska's won its share. Um, and it's just, you know, it's one of those, you know, games that's probably going to be close every year. And then Purdue will finish the season at IU. Now, win totals for this, um, in a perfect year where everybody stays healthy and you get Rondell Moore back, uh, Purdue potentially could win six games. But in a year that's choppy like last year, we have injuries and you have new guys needing to play and step up, Purdue might win three. Uh, it's, I think that's the, the variety that we're kind of – you're looking at. Um, you know, there's a lot of just toss-up games that Purdue's going to play, for being, first one being the opener. Uh, against Iowa, that that would be a toss-up. Purdue might be a slight favorite favorite in that game, uh, but not by much. Probably less than a field goal. Uh, you know, no more once we get to that week and the health and you know who's going to play, who's going to be a starting quarterback at Purdue. Who's you know Iowa's got a lot of question marks as well. Uh, the Illinois game again, another toss-up game. Purdue's on the road at Illinois. Um, you know, Purdue has played well over there in recent years. 
the programs are pretty evenly matched. But again, that's a, that's another toss-up game. The game at Wisconsin is not a toss-up game. It's a game Wisconsin will be favored in that game, uh, probably at least by double digits. Probably you know maybe two. Um, it, a lot depends what happens those first two weeks, but you know it, it probably could creep up closer to three touchdowns, depending on how Wisconsin plays early and how Purdue plays early. Now, if you remember last year's Wisconsin game, you know Purdue put up its share of points and yards through the air. And I'll contend that if Purdue had a more experienced quarterback, which Aiden O'Connell did all he could, and if Rondell Moore had played in that game, a healthy Rondell Moore, Purdue probably scores 50 to 55 points. Now, Purdue gives up 60 because it can stop Jonathan Taylor, never have, never will. Uh, and we, you don't know that Wisconsin's going to have another you know, good running back that Purdue's going to have to stop. The point is that if somehow Rondell would come back and you have a more experienced quarterback uh, back there, whether that's Jack Plummer, whether that's uh, Austin Burton, or even Aiden O'Connell. I mean, he's got, he's got more experience now than he did uh, back then. Uh, then Purdue's going to have the potential to put up some points in that game, but can its defense slow down the Badgers? That, that game, in my opinion, has a chance to be a lot closer than people think, um, especially in the third week of a season as opposed to week 9, 10, or 11, which it has been over the last few years. Um, but that's not a toss-up game. That's a that's a game that uh, right now uh, you would expect Purdue uh, to lose. The Northwestern game at home probably is more of a toss-up game uh, because those games have been close. Uh, the game at Minnesota, Minnesota is going to be favored as of right now, probably around a touchdown, maybe higher. Uh, depending on how the seasons go. Purdue would be favored at home against Rutgers. Again, depending on what it looks like when we get there. But as of today, I would think Purdue would be favored by more than a touchdown. Probably maybe double digits, maybe 10, maybe 11. Um, And and you're going to sit there and say, well, Rutgers is just awful. Well, I mean, what has Purdue really shown you recently that, you know, they're going to beat somebody by two touchdowns, even if it is Rutgers? Uh, so, you know, you have to look at both sides a little bit. You get Nebraska at home. That's another toss up in my opinion, uh, that could go either way as of today. And then the IU game probably is a toss up. Um, now when you, uh, when you look at the projected win totals that got released yesterday, uh, by some of the, the gambling websites, uh, IU is their over under for wins is five and a half in a, in a nine game season. If you took the over, you're saying IU is going to win six games. They're going to be at least six and three. Um, yeah, remember they're playing in the East, and they're only they're playing Purdue from the uh, the West, and they're playing Wisconsin from the West. So, if they beat Purdue, you know, obviously that's a win. And then the Wisconsin game, I don't, you know, IU's not going to be favored in that. They're not gonna. I would say right now they're not gonna win that game. So uh, that's then somebody out there is expecting IU to get five wins out of their six, and then a crossover, another crossover game from the East, or at least f- four wins out of the East if they would beat Purdue um, and then beat their crossover opponent. 
I don't know if they can get four wins out of the East. You know, Rutgers and Maryland, yeah, for sure. Michigan State is down this year. That's a game probably IU will should win. So that's three. But are they going to beat Michigan? Now they could. Michigan's lost a lot of players to the pros, opting out. But they're probably somewhat trying to opt back in. Ohio State, Penn State. That's a t- that's a tough over, in my opinion. Now Purdue's was set at three and a half, which seems, based on social media reaction, seems really low. People it's like, oh, hammer the over, hammer the over. Anytime it's too good to be true, it probably isn't too good to be true. So I wouldn't wouldn't completely jump on the over. I wouldn't put my life savings on the over. But this the way the Purdue schedule sets up would lead you to believe that four wins um, is definitely possible for this group. Now, I think they have to stay healthy, can't have key injuries, can't, you know, there's a lot of things that have to go right for them. you got to pick the right quarterback. Even if Rondell doesn't come back, four wins is still, I think, an achievable, achievable mark for this team. But the defense has to play better. I don't think there's any question about that. And how that defense is going to look, we're not going to know until they they play October twenty third or twenty fourth. Um, that, that's just the way it's going to be. You know, they're they're going to close. They've closed every practice. Uh, we will probably never ever, even when COVID is over, if it ever ends. But we will probably never have a chance to watch a Purdue practice, at least in the fall again. Um, Maybe in the spring, but not in the fall. Uh, I think those days are going to be over even after uh, all the virus restrictions are gone. Um, so we're not going to know. We're not going to know whether it's going to be a 3-4 or 4-3 under Bob Diaco. Who's, you know, we have some idea who's playing where. Um, you know, Lorenzo Neal is going to line up at nose. George Karloftis is one end. Who's going to be the other end? What do the linebackers look like? Derek Barnes is going to be in the middle. Um, how much time does Jalen Graham spend at one linebacker? Where does Jalen Alexander play in the scheme? Where does Demarcus Mitchell, the junior college transfer, where does he fit in? A lot of questions about the defense. A lot of lot of questions about the defense, and they they really need and for Purdue to get to four wins and potentially become bowl eligible. Uh, the defense just has to be better because you have confidence in the offense is going to they're, they're going to put up some numbers, uh, but the defense just has to be better. It can't be the same defense that gave up big play after big play after big play last year. And if it is, then you're, you're probably not going to get to four wins. And if you go back in the number of toss-up games that I mentioned that I think are toss-up games in Purdue, you know it doesn't take much to turn those games from from wins to losses. If your defense still is in a, is in a bad spot, uh, so Purdue, you know, they're, Purdue is going to be in a, I think, in a lot of close games this year. Um, but that defense has to play better, has to get off the field on third down, uh, and it really has to limit those big plays. Um, you know, they're never going to have a lot of depth on the defensive side or the offensive side. It's just the way life is uh, for the Purdue program, but. You know, in order to get those four wins to get over that three and a half or become eligible for a bowl game, um, which we don't know the number yet, I would assume that it would be five as the baseline, but it might be four depending on how many bowls, how many teams are eligible. 
Um, and I think a lot of those, a lot of those ninth games are going to come down to teams with four wins, sitting at four wins, and they need a win to get to that fifth. You know, ideally, you'd want to be over five hundred to be able to qualify for a bowl game. But you know, it's a it's a screwy year, so who knows what the uh, what's the, what the watermark will be for uh, for that. So yeah, that's kind of a brief look at the schedule. It really wasn't brief, but that's kind of look at what the schedule. Uh, you know, I think the the Big Ten. Um, you know, they, they did the best they could with uh, with the situation. Not, uh, uh, you know, I don't. It's, yeah. I I wasn't a. I was hoping that they would keep the rivalry games over Thanksgiving weekend because that's kind of traditional. But that in the past, that's always been the last weekend of the regular season. But they moved all the rivalry games to the last weekend of the regular season, which is December eleventh or twelfth. Uh, which you know, it's it. You can't can't really get too upset over that because you got your your Michigan and Ohio State game, Purdue, Indiana, so on and so forth. Uh, that keeps. I, I would assume Nebraska will uh, have a have a day after Thanksgiving game against Iowa. That's who they're scheduled to play that week. And I think you're going to see. You know, I, I think you're going to see Friday night games every week. Um, at least one. There might be two. There might be it might be an occasion to have two uh, on Friday nights, depending on you know how things come together. And no one's at a disadvantage because there are no there are no open weeks. No one's going to be coming off a longer rest than, than somebody else unless they didn't play the week before, which I guess is possible. Um, but, yeah, I would think you'll see Friday night games, especially you know those first couple weeks in October and probably a little bit in November. I don't know if you see a Friday night game in December. I don't know if you see a Saturday night, like Saturday night game on a campus site uh, in December. I'm not sure that would – you don't have fans to worry about. I know that, but um, still, it's it would be a quite. But with climate change and things not as cold or as they they usually are, you know, I think those first couple weeks of December might be okay to to play and uh, and get this over with. But um, anyway, I think you know I think the schedule kind of be flexible. I tried to ask today whether you know in the past it's always been like a. 12-day window to find out game times. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's going to hold true this year because you're not, you know, no fans can come in, but you you are uh, encouraging parents and, uh, you know, families to uh, to come to games. So um, it, it, you know, it might, uh, you know, they still might do the, uh, the old 12-game uh, or 12-day window for that. Excuse me one second. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, uh, now the the other big question going into the season is: Will Rondell Moore come back? I see no reason for him to come back. Uh, I think it would be great for Purdue if he came back; It'd be great for the fan base to follow him. But there's really no there's really no reason for him to come back. You know, he he's not going to grow anymore. He's five seven. Um, he's just, he's still strong. He's still quick. He has strong hands, strong legs. None of that's going to change. Um, well, you know, the only, the only way you come back is if you can improve your draft stock. And I'm not sure he can do that. Even if he, you know, even if he catches 120 passes, I'm, I'm not sure you improve your draft stock. 
you know, I think NFL scouts want to see him make it through a full year or make it through a season, which would be nine games. Uh, but there's a, you know, there's a high risk there for him to come back with an injury. Now, you can get an insurance policy. NCAA allows it. Uh, I think it's called loss of value, um, where uh, you know you pay the premiums, and then if something would happen, you know, depending on how much you took out as a policy, and there's a way to get that done. That is uh, th- that is okayed by the NCAA, and you know that might be part of the discussion with, with Purdue, whether he, he comes back or not. And he probably should have some sort of insurance policy or some sort of protection. If he does come back, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be very smart to do it without one. If I was in his position now, um, I think based on doing some research on this, that if, you know, if they encourage you only to do it, if you're like, projected to be a top 10 draft pick. Um, and Rondell's not going to be a top 10 draft pick right now. He would be a late first rounder at best, somewhere in the second round, uh, most likely. Um, so I don't know if all those pieces can come together uh, with him um, where he could get some sort of protection uh, that if something would happen to him, an injury standpoint, that he would, you know, he would still be paid, get the money that he would probably get in the NFL, that he was going to get from uh, the NFL. But to me, that's the only way that, in my opinion, he would come back is if, uh, um, if he did have that protection or that insurance policy, and it makes sense. I, I just don't, if you go pro-con, if you write down the pros and cons, there's too many cons for him. Uh, the big one being just getting an injury. But if you want to prove to the scouts that you can get through the season, uh, that might that might move you up a spot or two. Depending on you know, it's also depend on need. It depends on the team that's picking whether you're a first or second round draft pick. Uh, yeah, there is a difference in money being a first round or a second round. Um, but if you know Rondell loved Purdue University and loved the program and wanted to do it for, you know, reasons beyond, uh, getting to the NFL. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be applauded for that. And if he, if he would come back and have a big season, I think he would endear himself to Purdue fans, uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, but I'm not sure that that's what drives him. Um, I think getting to the NFL is what drives him. He's, he's been on a plan ever since he got here. I would say he's been on a plan ever since he probably transferred to Louisville Trinity. And his his plan coming into Purdue was to graduate uh, December 2020, and he's going to do that. You know, he's still enrolled in school. He hasn't signed with an agent. To me, there would be not a lot of obstacles for, for him to come back. It's just a matter if he wants to do it. And I, you know, I think Jeff Brom and his teammates would accommodate him um, the best they can. But it's just a matter if he wants to do it or not. And I don't. And again, I'm not going to sit here and claim I know all the details about it. But it, it just, on the surface, it just would not make sense for for him to do that. 
And I, I know Purdue fans want him to do that, and you should want him to do that. But it just not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't. It just doesn't add up a whole lot. Um, but you know, we've had you know the, the the receiver from Minnesota is trying to opt in. But you know, his team won eleven games last year. Uh, you know, Purdue only won four. So, um, it, you're not that you know Rondell's Rondell's not a bad teammate. He's not anything like that. You know, his teammates like him and respect him. Uh, but again, he's been on this path since day one and to interrupt it at this point, you know, may not make a lot of sense for him personally. And that's that, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about him getting to where he wants to go and he wants to go to the NFL and he's going to go to the NFL next spring, you know, regardless if he plays this season or not. But, you know, again, if you can get that protection, get that insurance policy, you know, that might, that might sway him a little bit uh, to, to come back. But, you know, who knows? Been surprised before. I just don't think it benefits him. But I think it'd be um, – but I was told that if he does come back, the win total that, that got out there yesterday, the three and a half, would not change. So take that for, for what, it's, what it's worth. Uh, in case you didn't notice or didn't see it, uh, the basketball season has been pushed back, the start date at least, to November 25th. Uh, now the major questions with that is what, what Purdue's non-conference schedule is going to look like and how many um, conference games the Big Ten will play. That That's probably number one of those two things. I think the Big Ten has to decide how many conference games it's going to play. They Right now they're playing 20. I don't think they'll go lower than that. I don't think they'll go any higher than 22. Then that will factor in how many non-conference games that, that you can play. The NCAA has recommended you play four non-conference games. So if you, let's say the Big Ten played state at 20, that would probably give Purdue um, and most schools seven non-conference games to work with because – you know, if you're in a if you're in a tournament, or as they they call MTEs, multi-team events, um, you know, depending on how many games you play in that MTE, which I think Purdue's trying to play three games in its MTE, which originally they were going to play, they're trying to play two. Now they're trying to play three. So then, then that limits the other regular season games you can play. Uh, if they played three in their MTE, you might be able to play the Big Ten ACC Challenge if both leagues want to do it. Uh, the Gavit games. Who knows? I don't know if it would be a priority or not. And then you got the crossover, or not the crossover, the crossroads game uh, down in Indianapolis. And where those two rank on the priority, uh, I mean, I can't tell you right now. I mean, they're, they're marquee games or marquee events. Uh, you'd like to play them because they're good good competition. Uh, and does Purdue get involved in one of these bubble situations that is getting talked about a lot where you go to – you know, one of them mentioned Purdue going to Connecticut, the Mohegan Sun Casino, and you're in a bubble with seven or eight other teams. You play a week long of games of, you know, maybe that's where you play West Virginia, maybe you play Florida, you play some other teams. Indianapolis is trying to host a bubble of teams. Other cities have made proposals to host a bubble of team. I don't know Purdue's 
interest in it. I, I don't think it's high because you have to pay money to get in these bubbles. And right now, you know, most athletic departments just don't have that kind of money, whether it's 90000 100000 whatever it is. You just don't have that money floating around uh, because you're not getting any revenue right now. You're not getting your revenue from ticket sales for football. Now, eventually, you'll get media rights for football that'll start trickling in uh, at some point. But I wouldn't anticipate those coming to schools until actual games are played. Um, and usually by uh, sometime in September, in a normal situation, those payments start rolling in. You know, they're, they're paid throughout the year, throughout the fiscal year. They're not paid at one lump sum at the end or at the beginning. So they would they would get payments, all Big Ten schools would get payments throughout the year. But I, I wouldn't anticipate those payments coming in until you actually start playing football games. So you don't you know you don't have that kind of money just laying around. Now Purdue is doing a fundraising campaign, so there's some money there. But you've got some other things you need to uh, address first. So you know how the basketball schedule ultimately looks. Are they going to play Big Ten games in December like they have in the past? Um, is really going to be you know something. Something to watch, something to to, to really uh, zero in on because it's going to be different than it has in the past. And then the testing part with basketball, you know, if they get the same testing protocols as football, then they, they should be in good shape. And will the Big Ten decide, okay, we just need to play each other because we know how each other is testing. You start bringing in outside conferences to play. Well, you know, Purdue's supposed to play Illinois State down in Florida as part of the Cancun Challenge, which got moved to Florida. And then the Clemson and Mississippi State, I think, were the other teams. And then they're looking for a third team to play. But how are they being tested? How many times are they being tested? Do they have the same access to the rapid testing that the Big Ten is supposed to have? Um, and are, do you feel comfortable playing that team, playing a team that doesn't test on a, reg, on a regular basis? And the other thing is, you know, will Purdue, will the school of Purdue allow the basketball team or teams, because the women are supposed to play down in the same tournament the same week, will they allow their basketball team to fly to Florida? There are some schools that are saying, no, you can't play any non-conference games outside of the state or or you can't take play any non-conference games where you have to get on a flight. Um uh, so, I mean, I, I, there's still another layer to this where the, the Big Ten presidents have to sign off on what you're going to do in basketball season, and they may be waiting to see how football uh, eventually gets going before making that, that kind of final decision because you're an indoor sport, which isn't ideal when it comes to the virus, and those are, you know, there's some things you have to consider, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to allow fans at basketball games. I would think not, but, you know, who knows? I, the Big Ten has said they're not going to allow fans, general public fans, at <clears throat> the football games, which I think is a mistake. I, I don't – should they open up to the general public? No, I don't think they should. The fact that they're opening up to, to parents and players, family members of, of coaching staff and other personnel, that's, that's fine. But – I think they should allow some students in. I think you should allow the marching band in. 
I'm not saying the marching band needs to be on the field and perform, but you have one side of the stadium for the parents and the families, and then the other side of the stadium, you could have students and the band, spread the band out, social distance, spread the students out. I mean, the students are around each other every day. I mean, it's... Uh, I think there's I think there's a way to do that and at least have some atmosphere at these football games. Uh, but as of right now, no fans, which is too bad. And I, I and don't don't pump in fake crowd noise. Don't don't do it. it. It's it's bad. It's awful. I don't like it. I mean, I've watched these baseball games where they do it. I just don't. I just don't like it. Don't like it. Football. You know, NFL did it. Is doing it. Uh, the, you know, for for the places that are not having fans, I, I just just you know, it's part of the story. It's part of the story this year that no fans. If you got to play in an empty stadium with no fans and no noise, so be it. You know, it's part of the story. It's part of what's going on uh, in 2020. So, uh, give you a lot to think about. Give you a lot to laugh about. Give you a lot to say this guy's an idiot. Give you a lot to whatever. But anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of up to date. What's going on in the big 10 and Purdue right now. Uh, didn't cover everything that is, that has happened since our last podcast, but I always say this, try to do more of these. Okay. How about that? <laughs> anyway, appreciate you stopping by, uh, questions, concerns. Uh, if you want, if you want me fired for whatever reason, uh, you can contact my boss if you can find them. And then they'll get the ball rolling on that. But if you do have questions or concerns or something you'd want me to answer, you can reach me by email. You can reach me on social media, on Twitter. Um, there's many ways to to get a hold of me and get your questions answered. Again, appreciate you stopping by. And uh, you have a good day. And I uh, hope to talk to you uh, soon.